Welcome back to the Jordan Syatt Mini Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. In this episode, I speak with Liv, who's an Inner Circle member all the way over in Germany. And as you'll hear, she's incredibly kind, very smart, and very honest. She's a real straight shooter, which I liked. And we talk about a lot, but mainly how to help her overcome binge eating and develop a healthier relationship with food. I hope you enjoy the episode. If you do, please leave a five-star review on iTunes. Huge thank you to everyone who's done that so far. Enjoy the episode. Hey, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for getting on the phone with me. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, can you hear me okay? I have a fan on in the background, so I just want to make sure the audio is good. Uh, yeah, I think I can hear you totally fine. It seems good. Okay. Okay. Thank awesome. you. How cool. are you? How's everything going? Good. Good. Just living the quarantine life in Germany. <laughs> uh, <laughs> It was a very exasperated good. It's like, ah, well, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy. Just tired of like being in the house, you know. And I've got my whole family here, and but you know we're healthy, and I can't complain. So yeah, and you you're well in in Boston, right? Yeah, yeah. Fortunately, we're good. I mean, it's the, it's the same, right? It's it's one yeah. of those things where uh, where it's almost like you feel guilty if you complain because you know there are many people who have it way worse than you, but yeah. also you're like, this still sucks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You're like, I want to complain, but should I? Yes, I will. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> where, where are you based? Uh, I'm in actually, I'm in Germany. So I'm That's actually, Got it. Okay. yeah, I'm originally from Maine, but um, I live over here with my husband and my family. He has a job over here. So Got yeah, it. So, pretty- so you you went to Germany to be to be there for your husband's job. Oops, I'm sorry. Let me turn off. Um, yeah, I went to Germany to be here with my family, and um, I'm a yoga instructor here. So, oh, that's yeah, amazing. It's a, yeah, it's a really good life. I, I really enjoy it, and I I kind of started getting into fitness, and I joined the inner circle, and um, I'm learning so much, which is amazing, and I'm really happy I can talk to you about what's going on with me today too. Of course, I'm. That's what I'm here for. We'll stay on the phone for as long as you want. Like, just talk to me. How can I help? Okay, cool. Um, well, I mean, <laughs> I'm like a little nervous too. So it's um, totally fine. I'm very nervous too. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's, yeah, I, oh, oh, I just watched your carnivore video. Actually, um, it was amazing. By the way, it thank was, that you. was I really that cool. A lot. Yeah, I have so detailed. Give, I have to give like ninety-nine five percent of the credit to Rico because he makes anything I do look significantly cooler than it actually looks um so I mean I I appreciate that a lot uh I'm really glad that you liked it it's so funny no matter how many pieces of content I put out no matter how many videos no matter how many posts no matter whatever it is I always get nervous before I hit publish uh Mm -hmm. same thing with the inner circle literally there every single month when I put out a new edition of the inner circle new workouts new whatever I always get nervous and I'm always like, I hope they're going to like it. I hope it's, I hope they're going to enjoy it. It's like, every, it's so funny because the nerves never go away. So I appreciate they you saying They never do. They never do. I totally get it. Every time I teach a yoga class or I film a, a, a yoga video or whatever, I'm freaking out. I like freak out for hours. <laughs> <laughs> and then when I do it, I'm like, wow, that wasn't so bad. Thank God. Isn't that so yeah. interesting? I almost feel mm-hmm. like the, the nerves and the, the freak out aspect of it is one of the reasons we enjoy it so much because mm-hmm. it, it's it's so rewarding on the back end to number one know that we're helping others, but also to know that we're getting better as a result of pushing through the nerves and the fear. 
Yeah. And I think like when that goes away, then like it's not fun anymore, you know, like I think it makes you a good teacher to be humbled too, you know, to be like humbled by wanting to be better for everybody. So I completely agree. I, I, I love that you just said that. I think it's something that a lot of people overlook. And it's one of those things where when you stop, it's sort of like one of the reasons a relationship is oftentimes so exciting at the beginning is because you're nervous, right? You're nervous mm -hmm. to see them. Like, what do they think? What do I think? I don't know. It's like, as you develop in any relationship, whether it's with a human being or whether your job or whatever it is, the, the nerves are oftentimes there because it means that you care so much about it. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I agree. So, so, so cool. talk to me, what's going on with you? Fill me in. Yeah. So, um, okay. So I've had a history of like crazy eating. I've, um, so mainly eating is my issue. Like I love working out. I'm good with that. I do yoga. I, do, I teach booty yoga. I am um, lift. Um, so I'm really, really active. And, um, the eating thing has always been an issue. I've kind of had a disordered eating past and I got like really better. I, I fell down the intuitive eating kind of whole and then recently, probably in the last five years, I've kind of dialed it in because I started lifting weights and I started wanting to be more kind of um, like on it. Um, and so I started counting calories and managing things that way. And I lost probably um, 10 pounds. Um, um, but with that came a, like a lot of binging, um, mm -hmm. like consistently, like probably two or three times a week. So I went down this kind of rabbit hole of like, okay, well, I need to go vegan and that, and I need to abstain from all these foods that I binge on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That didn't work really that well. Cause I would just binge harder. Um, so then I went on to the like anti-diet, uh, health at every size into the mm. rabbit hole. Yeah. And I actually wanted to a little talk to you about it. I know it's, I'm going to, I mean, I'm going to talk to you about some things that might be a little controversial. So if you don't want to talk about it, it's okay. Um, but I like, will talk um, about literally anything you want to talk about. There is nothing okay. off limits. I think, well, I think a lot of people have these questions because like, um, social media is so large and you see people, um, the all in, which, um, there's a, um, a fitness influencer who went all in and she's amazing and it really worked for her. So I kind of tried that and I tried the anti-diet, like I hate diets, diets are evil, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> that was bad situation for me. Cause I just, I just went like to the other extreme. So, mm -hmm. um, right now I'm just, um, trying to make some bright lines. Um, I like have a little habit thing and I check it off every day and I'm just really trying to eat. I'm trying to figure out my maintenance calories, like, and I'm, um, trying not to binge basically and just kind of like maintain. And I did try the two plate, the three, meals and two snacks, but I felt so out mm -hmm. of control and like I had so much anxiety and, um, it just felt like worse for me. Um, okay. I didn't, I didn't give it a huge try though, because of the anxiety of like, <laughs> cause I, like I'm a control kind of, you know, like I gotta know what I'm doing. And because you just make a play, it's like, well, what is this? You know? Um, so yeah, so that's kind of what, where I'm at at the moment. Got it. Okay. So do you want to begin with the the three plates, two snacks? Is that what you like to talk about first and we can sort of just roll from there? Yeah, we definitely can. So um, I gave it a try for about a week. But like I said, like my anxiety got really high because like I would I would like delete my fitness pal in the morning and then like want to reinstall it in the afternoon because I wanted to like kind of have that like, okay, well, what am I what am I eating? And I don't 
there's like a lack of trust around my body and my body signals. Um, Cause I also have like a lot of digestive issues. I have celiac. So my stomach is always a little messed up. Sometimes I can't hear hunger cues well. Um, yeah, so it kind of it kind of fizzled. I, I still binge, I think, because I I I, I still kind of restrict foods, certain foods that like I want to eat, like a bagel or something. Um, you know, a lot of like fears around foods in that kind of situation. So, how often are you binging now? Now it's probably once a week or twice a week, and sometimes I do think that. I just don't have my maintenance calories nailed in because I, I have a tendency to undereat because of like my digestive issues. And then I think what happens is like three days into it, I'm like, ah, bagels. And I keep talking about bagels because that's what's been happening lately. <laughs> bagels with Kerrygold butter. It's like amazing, you know? Um, and I'll binge, I'll eat like 3000 calories in one go. And then, you know, I'll feel sick for days. Um, and yeah, it's kind of a cycle. And I, I know I'm in the cycle. I just don't really know how to get myself out of it um, and like figure out what I actually need, you know? I, I totally get it. And, and I want to start off by saying, number one, thank you for being willing to talk to me about this and being so open and honest because a, lo- a lot of people, they'll, they'll go through this and they won't be willing or open to have a discussion about it. And, and having a discussion, I think, is, is the first and most important step. So thank you. Um, the next question you may or may not predict me asking this. Um, I'm going to ask you, and, and if you don't know the answer, it is totally fine. I'm going to ask you, if you were to try to objectively look at your behavior, to to analyze your emotions, to look at where you think you struggle most, where do you think that would be? And where do you think the biggest issue is? Where do you think the number one reason why you might be struggling with binging continuously is out of everything that you've said, or maybe even things that you haven't said. And if you don't know, that's totally fine. Yeah. I think it's probably, I think it's overthinking everything. Um, I have a tendency to like overthink everything. Um, And so I think it's a little bit of like chaotic, like overthinking where I'm just like overthinking. Then I throw up my arms and I'm like, I don't know. I think that's a big one. And then possibly the under eating um, and then the, res- the binging in response. That make both of those make total sense. And, and just from experience, I would say that holds true across many, many people. Um, okay. Let's talk about the overthinking. Let's sort of go mm-hmm. over, let's dive deeper into that. What, what happens with the overthinking? Give me an example of sort of a, a cycle of overthinking how it starts, what do you overthink about, and how does it end? Okay, well, like, for example, in the morning, I'll be, like, really clear, because I'll have coffee, and I'll be like, oh, yeah, I know what I'm doing, I'm, like, on it, and then I get on social media, and I see all these people doing <laughs> all these things, and I'm like, ah, you know, and so I've actually, like, tried to limit my social media, but it's almost like, Right now, especially with quarantine, I have so much more time on my hands. Mm-hmm. I'm like, ooh. And so I see like, oh, vegan. Okay. Oh, vegan paleo. Okay. I don't have to count calories. I just have to like be sugar, salt, oil free. Like <laughs> it's awful. Um, so, so that I think is where the overthinking happens. And then I just go into this chaotic, like 
too much attention here and no attention on the life, like what really matters. Um, so then I just throw up my arms and I'm like, whatever, you know. Do you get anxiety when you see what other people are doing on social media with their nutrition? I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think there's like, I, I'm always looking outside for the answers. I think that's a huge part of it. Um, I just don't like, I don't trust myself. I don't know why, but yeah. Well, actually, that's a really good thing to bring up. Why don't you think you trust yourself? I think it's like, um, well, I think it's just from like experience, you know, um, because I, I keep binging and I, I think like, why would I trust this person who continually binges and falls apart? You know, I think it's like a, an experience thing where now I'm in this habit loop of like, mm. how can I trust that person? Makes total sense. So let me ask you this. What is your main goal right now? And I guess I could phrase that better in that by the end of this call, by the time we finish speaking, whether it's in an hour or in eight hours, I'm not going to keep you that long, but we'll just say. <laughs> All-nighter for me. What would, what would have to happen by the end of this call for you to look back and say, wow, that was totally worth it. I'm really glad that we had that call. Um, like, uh, I think, um, I think ultimately, like, I want to find some sort of sanity and peace without, mm. without having to like throw out my health, you know, mm. which I thought like I would do with the anti-diet thing. I thought like, okay, well, screw it, you know, and like, I would find <laughs> sanity and peace and like, no, you know, and, um, so yeah, sanity and peace. And like, I want to continue to maintain and I, you know, and just stop the binge cycle. Cause it is like, mm. it's tra It's traumatic. You know, That's, it's yeah. Develop, it's develop a healthier relationship with food, no binging, no anxiety around it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That would be amazing. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Talk to me about the going anti-diet. Talk to me about what happened Actually, you know, I don't even want to put words in your mouth. Talk to me about anti-diet. Why'd you start? What happened? And, and why'd you leave? Um, well, so I started getting, like, obsessed with, like, that. So I switched from, like, the whole, especially with social media. So I got on the social media of the anti-diets. And, you know, they're all promoting that you, weight loss um, always fails. Diets always fail. You know, that calculation, they always say, like, 95% of diets fail. And so I started reading, like, health at every size, and I started reading intuitive eating, which are, I think, like, have a lot of good principles, and I don't yeah. want to, like, throw it all out. But um, there also is, like, this very extremist side where it's, like, it, it's almost like health isn't even a concern. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't, I don't think that's the, the message of health at every size, but I think some people take it that way. And so I kind of started doing that. And then I started like binging even more because I was like allowing all of these foods that I hadn't eaten in a long time without like really feeling like being okay with how I felt. And so I just felt like bloated and horrible the whole time. Um, so I didn't feel like I could marry my health with that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, makes total sense. It's it's very interesting. When you look at the fitness industry, it always runs on a pendulum of extremes, right? 
it's mm. either the best or the worst for you. It's either right or wrong, good or bad. It's either fat burning or fattening, right? It, it's there's very rarely do we find people in the middle ground, uh, and that's where all the magic happens, right? Right in the gray area, right in the middle ground, like where the where we have balanced, if you want to put it that way. Yeah. Uh, and the you can see this in every realm of the fitness industry. You can see it in health at every size. You can also see it in calorie counting. I mean, there are some people who will say that the only way to lose fat is to count your calories. And it's like, that's ridiculous. That's of course you don't have to count your calories in order to lose weight. Um, there are people who, I just did the carnivore diet. There are people who say the carnivore diet is the most sustainable and most optimal way to live. It's like, are you out of your mind? No, it's not. There are people who say, uh, plant-based is the only way to live. It's like the, mm-hmm. no matter where you look, everyone is saying their way is the right way, the only way, the best way, the optimal way. And that can cause an overwhelming amount of confusion and anxiety and fear and worry and, and self mistrust which I think is one of the things that you mentioned you struggle with. It's like you don't trust yourself because there's so much going on. Um, nailed it. Yeah, that's you nailed it there. <laughs> let me ask you this. And, and again, if you don't know the answer, totally fine. Just for the sake of conversation and just to see what you might think, if there is one thing that you think you need to do in order to improve your relationship with food, what do you think that would be? And keeping in mind, it's not necessarily the easiest thing, but what do you think would be the the first step you should take in order to improve your relationship with food? I guess I, guess I would say um, either one, kind of stop calorie counting and, and try to really listen to my own hunger signals and wants and needs. Um, or to get off like social media um, and like all and and just try to like only follow things that kind of support what I'm doing, which is like living in the gray, the middle, um, which very few people talk about or even promote because it's really difficult. Like it's it's not it's not it doesn't sell. Like that's right. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. You just hit on some very important points. Um, the first one being, we'll talk about calorie counting first. Okay. One of the benefits of having done what I've, what I do for, what I've done for so long is, I've had many of these conversations, like thousands upon thousands. And it was only after years and years and years of having these conversations before I was like, you know what? Like I think people would benefit from hearing these conversations. Like let's have them recorded for a podcast. So, I listen for keywords and phrases, and and I watch for key characteristic traits for different things, disordered eating, binge eating, over-exercising, under-exercising, motivation. Like there are key words that I listen to, listen for. One of the ones you just said, not not in the last minute, but earlier, you, you mentioned you were a uh, control freak, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you need to know, you need to know. What I've found over time is people will say they are a control freak as a justification for doing something they know they shouldn't do. They'll mm. say, well, I'm a control freak to justify doing what they're doing when the reality is they shouldn't be doing what they're doing. And if you really think about it, everyone's a control freak in some aspect of their life, and it's usually the aspect in which they are behaving inappropriately. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like um, it's an excuse to not go through the hard, the hard too, because like, 
stopping counting will be hard for me initially. And like, I'm using this kind of as a, like a, a, an excuse not to really go there. A hundred percent. Absolutely. I mean, I'm assuming there are aspects of your life in which you're pretty relaxed, relatively moderate. And I don't know what they are, but I'm assuming like you don't control every single aspect of your family life, for example. There are some aspects that are completely and utterly out of your control, right? Oh, yeah. Like my children's clothing. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And there are some people who might be overly meticulous with that. and there could be any number of reasons. Maybe someone is so outrageously meticulous with how their child looks and what their child is wearing because they want to seem uh, present themselves or their family in a way in which they might not actually be uh, mm-hmm. for any number of reasons, social status, whatever it could be, just making stuff off the top of my head. But we all are control freaks in some way in our lives. It's just for what are you a control freak? And then the reality is, no one is a control freak for a positive reason. It's never a good thing to be a control freak. And we all, it's never said with a positive connotation. It's always said like, oh yeah, well, you know, I just do this because I'm a control freak. And it's sort of like, well, okay, well, hold on. Why? Why are you being so controlling? And this is something that, that for, for example, uh, I struggle with that with business. With I mean, it took me the better part of a decade to hire someone to help me with my emails. Kat, you spoke with her. Uh, mm-hmm. It took me the better part of a decade to hire someone to help me with social media, Rico, my videographer. Um, realistically, I should have done that four to five years into my business, but I was a control freak about it. Um, and if you actually talk to Kat, she'll tell you for the first year, maybe year, more than a year of her working for me, I wouldn't let her answer any emails. <laughs> yeah. because I was a control freak over my inbox. Now, there was good intent behind it. I had good intent as to why, because I was like, I need people to solely be answered from me. Let's say it must come from me. I'm not, I don't want, and and that was my way of justifying letting go. It was my way of justifying not having a more balanced relationship, my way of justifying any number of things. And it wasn't until with a lot of work and a lot of help from Kat that finally I was able to let that go and now she can take care of it and we're both happier for it and my life has become more balanced. Now now I've become a control freak in other areas and I think addressing these areas in which we, we are a control freak is how we become more balanced, right? Because if we really think about it, if you're a control freak, you're not balanced in that area. Um, so with that being said, and me having rambled on for entirely too long, I apologize, what do yeah. you think with that should happen going forward? Well, I just want to say something too, is that like, um, we control, I think, because like we fear, like I fear gaining weight and I fear like losing all this progress that I've done. Mm -hmm. Right. And like, I think like when we fear, we can't actually have real freedom. So like every time we control, I guess, like, and this is just popping in my head is like, every time we control, we actually lose an ounce of freedom in our life. Um, or like manage it. Like, uh, Yeah. Yeah. That is so well said. I I couldn't agree more. Absolutely very well said. Okay. So, so I guess like the thing is like, if I want freedom and I want to, I want to master my fear, I have to let go a little bit. I think that is exactly right. Okay. 
Yeah, I gotta be brave. I gotta be brave. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. Okay. So keep going. So so actually, you know what? We'll we'll bring this back because when we were talking about the three plates, two snacks, uh, it started off being like, yeah, that didn't really work out well for me. And then you've been incredibly honest, and I appreciate it because not everyone is as honest as you are. Um, a lot of people they get they dig their heels in and they don't tell the truth. Like you're like, yeah, well, I didn't really do it. I did it for like a week, and then you're like, well, and then I would take my fitness pal off, but I'd want to have it on by the yeah. end of the day. So let me ask you this, just fully honestly and truthfully, how how many days did you do the three plates, two snacks for 100% of your, like 100% of the time? Oh, like 100%, probably only like one and a half days because like I said, I would download it at the end of the day. And um, I think I did it the first day and then I did it the second half of the other day. And then after that, I was like, download you know like <laughs> oh, somebody needs to put a like a, a like a limit on me like mm-hmm. no li- you know <laughs> like child screen protection <laughs> <laughs> you know it the per- the person who has to do that is you i know <laughs> your responsibility and, right but i mean using using either your husband your family the inner circle whoever as a form of accountability I, absolutely but this conversation i'm so happy we're having it because the reason that you would download my fitness pal and do it is because you had fear, you had anxiety mm-hmm. and you wanted the control of knowing you wanted the control of knowing you weren't going to lose your progress. You didn't like the uncertainty, the ambiguity, the, the fear of not knowing, and especially trying this, this new thing. So you went back to what you already know. Um, mm-hmm. so having okay. said that, do you, and if the answer is no, that is oh, mm-hmm. totally fine. There are many, many other options we can use. The reason I often go to the three plates, two snacks is because that's what I've statistically found to work the best when people give it a fair chance. But it, it's not the only option that I have. It's just, okay, these are the two options out of the many, many, many that I've tried over the years that have worked the best. It's like the Pareto principle, right? It's like 80% of the results come from 20% of the methods. It, it's it's the 80-20 rule. 80, Pareto, the Pareto principle is the 80-20 rule, where it's like 80% of your results will come from doing 20% of the exercises in the gym, right? It's like there are thousands and thousands of exercises, but there's a very small a very small percentage of them are really going to give you the most bang for your buck. 80% of uh, your diet should come from 20% of the foods, right? It's like we know there's so many foods, so many options, but when you go to the grocery store, there's about a 20% of it area which should be the vast majority of what your food should be, right? And it holds true throughout many aspects of life. So the, the three plates, two snacks is not the only option, and calorie counting is not the only option. But do you think that you should try three plates, two snacks again with a minimum required time frame to actually give it 100%, or do you think that it's not a good idea? Oh, no. I think I should definitely try it again, like for sure, because – you can't like half-ass anything, right? And get a like expect to like get a result that you want. So I obviously half-ass that. So I think um I think it would be good, but I also think like I should do it and then have like a like a a, a get out jail free kind of card where like okay, live you can do this for a week, and if you feel like you need to count one day, go for it like after that week, and then if you feel maybe try it again. And, and maybe that would just be like, like, I can always go back to it if I want to, you know? You can always go back to it. Always. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to tell you one method that I use 
that I, I usually don't present both of these at the same time. Uh, and it's, it's a combination of calorie counting and three plates, two snacks. I okay. use this oftentimes when someone is very resistant. And to be, to be candid with you, I don't think you need this, but it might be a good option. Um, when someone is, is essentially more or less like petrified of not counting their calories, which, which is a real thing and people struggle with it, uh, and they're very resistant to, to not doing it. One of the things I'll suggest is, okay, instead of doing three plates, two snacks for two weeks straight, what if you have one day a week where you do three plates, two snacks, and then the other six days you count your calories and you do that for one week or two weeks, we can decide on the definitive time frame either way, but you do it for a set period of time. Then the next change is you do two days of three plates, two snacks, and then five days calorie counting, and then three days, three plates, two snacks, and then four days calorie counting in, in, until eventually, whether it's seven weeks later or seven months later, you are now doing that every day and you are no longer calorie counting. That's another option. It's a slower, more of a weaning off option. It requires a lot of patience and a lot of consistency, um, mm. but it is another option. What do you think about that? What do you think would be better? Either going just full on 100% for a week or two straight or doing something a little bit more slowly and weaning? Um, I think probably, probably just doing it because mm. I think, I think, like I need to create some sort of like um, strength and like fortitude. And like, I think if I don't like really push myself, I might not grow that. So like, if I, if I do that, maybe do it for a week and then reevaluate and, and be really honest with it and then try it again for another week and like make sure I journal after the work after the week so that I can get like really clear about it. Even maybe make a video or whatever. Um, I think that would be good for me. Yeah. Personally, I very much agree. I absolutely love that. Um, what I think would be very wise to do is, is number one, write down realistic expectations for what you think will happen throughout the week in terms. And what I mean by that is we get off the call, you begin tomorrow mm -hmm. and off the call might be okay like excited let's go I'm gonna do this tomorrow have your first meal what's gonna happen oh you're probably mm -hmm. gonna get anxious you're probably gonna want to know exactly how many calories you're probably gonna want to want to download my fitness pal what is your response when that happens what is the definitive no BS 100% I must take this action when I feel this way what will that be I think, I think it'll be two things. I think like, honestly, just saying no, like, like out loud or whatever, just like, no, that's really helpful because then there's like no room for argument. Um, so as long as I don't allow, like, that's the thing is I allow my brain to go, but what if, and like all of these like thoughts, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, the overthinking, um, cause I already have an overthinking question for you. Um, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah, like, but just saying like, no. And then also I have this app called Habit Tracker and it's really cool. And I created like a couple of bright lines. Um, like, like one of the bright lines was like calories. Here's my range. And every day I check 
and this app like checks it for me. And when I check it, I feel really good about it. So if I create like a bright line saying no calorie counting for a week and I check it every night, it honestly feels like it boosts my ego a little bit. Oh, my, yeah. my ego. Absolutely. Yeah. You're proud of yourself. Yeah. So maybe those two things combined would be good. What do you like? What do you think? I absolutely love that. I, I couldn't agree more. I think they're tremendous. Okay. I'm going to I'm going to add on to the first one because okay. I think that the first one is I, I'm very excited to hear you say that and, and specifically the aspect of verbally saying no. Mm-hmm. What that makes me think of is a practice that I've incorporated many times and I still incorporate it myself um, and I've encouraged it in the inner circle a lot is whenever you start to feel nervous or anxious or worried, have a legitimate conversation with yourself out loud, verbally. Uh, and if you have to go into a private room, got to go in the bathroom, got to walk outside, whatever, go somewhere and ask yourself out loud, why am I anxious? And, and it's, I think when some people hear this, they either think it's hippy dippy or it's weird, or when they try to put it into practice, they try to have the conversation in their head. It does not work in your head. Mm-hmm. And the way that I explain this is, have you ever like gotten in an argument with someone or you got in a fight maybe with your spouse or whatever or a coworker, and then you go to explain the argument and why you're so angry to somebody else, to a friend? You're like, oh, my God, you are not going to believe this. <laughs> and they're like, what happened? And you're like, OK, all right. Well, this is going to seem silly, but and why all of a sudden – when you're about to verbalize it, do you say this is going to seem silly? It's because as you're about to verbalize it, you begin to logically analyze what happened and you will be like, okay, maybe it really wasn't that big of a deal, right? Like Mm -hmm. maybe I shouldn't have gotten so upset or so worried or anxious or whatever about it. And when you try to have the conversation in your head, it doesn't make logical sense. It is a bowl of emotions swirling around completely. It doesn't make any sense. And that's why sometimes when you try and verbalize this stuff to a friend, it comes out in a, just a huge mush of words that don't make sense. And it's not in any specific order. And you're like, I don't even know what I'm saying. And then you'll cry and you're like, what is going on? It's like, hold on, talk to yourself, pull yourself to a separate room. Or if you can do it right there, why am I nervous? And answer yourself out loud. I'm nervous because I don't know how many calories are in this meal, and it's a little bit freaking me out. And as you say that, you will feel the stress leave your body. It's like, okay, so, well, what's the worst that happens? Again, out loud, what, what's the worst that happens if I don't know how many calories are in this meal? Um, maybe I eat a nice. few hundred more calories today, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah right, but, right. And, like, I'm in maintenance, so, like, my body will regulate that, and it will be fine. And... Um, it makes sense to me too, because like, I'm a very somatic like person with my yoga and like, I, I have to feel things. And like, when you speak verbally, you like, you like really present it to yourself and it's like, mm. it's out there. Um, so it's, it's a, like, a, it's experience. Whereas like, like journaling doesn't work for me sometimes. Cause I'm like, okay, like I'm writing, but it's not like out there. Um, you know, exactly. and, and yeah. Okay. But writing cool. is interesting. I like writing, but I've always found journaling, it's sometimes hard to get your thoughts out quickly enough. Oh, yeah, without right? your hand cramping. Yeah. It's just, it's just difficult. Whereas with your, when you're speaking, you can get the thought out very quickly, and you can respond to it or try to respond to it logically. The, the most important thing when you're really having a conversation with yourself is to be honest. 
So mm. why am I nervous? Why am I feeling anxious right now? And you have to be honest, well, I'm anxious because I don't know how many calories are in this, and it's really freaking me out. It's like, okay, well, how come that freaks me out? Well, I'm nervous about gaining fat. I'm nervous mm-hmm. about, about losing my progress. And then so then this is where we can look at the, the whole experiment, right? So if we do this for two weeks, for example, because it's cool. Okay, so let's say I do this for two weeks, and I don't know how many calories I eat. What is the worst that happens in a two-week time frame? No one got fat in two weeks. <laughs> right, right. Right. Like, right? like gain, gain a few pounds. That's it. You know? Worst comes to worst. And realistically, if you're actually sticking to three plates and two snacks, assuming your plates aren't like a block of chocolate, you're not going <laughs> to gain. a. You're not. You're just not. It's just it's okay. specifically made. If you have three plates and two snacks, assuming your plate isn't a stacked up box of pizza, one on top of the other, like right. you're good. You're inherently limiting how many calories you're going to eat. You should be focusing on the quality of your food and making sure you're full, you're satisfied, making sure you're eating high-quality food. If you want to enjoy a snack that is a special treat, go for it. Just try and make it, make it fit into the three plates, two snacks. Worst comes to literal worst. Literally nothing happens at the end of the two weeks. Mm-hmm. You, that's mm-hmm. it. And, and for me, whenever I go to, well, what's the worst-case scenario, I'm always more calm because anxiety stems – from thinking about a future event that hasn't happened yet. And when you think about this future event, you make up a scenario that's worse than it's actually going to be, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you, you think about well, what, what's going to happen in the future, what will happen as a result of me doing this, and you make up in your head, not out loud. But out loud, you would never, ever, ever say, by the end of these two weeks, I could be really fat. Like you just yeah, know I, that's I, not okay. going to happen. Right, like I, I've gained 100 pounds. No. <laughs> in your head, though, at that meal, you might get nervous because you don't know how many calories on that meal. And then because of the fear of getting fat, losing all your progress. But mm-hmm. once you verbalize, well, worst case scenario, this is a two-week thing. I know for a fact that's not going to happen logically. That's just – this isn't how the laws of our universe work. Then cool. All of a sudden, the anxiety will dissipate, not necessarily go away 100%, especially not on day one, meal one. But enough for you to get more resilient and say, hey – just do it because I said I'm going to, and I know for a fact that at the end of two weeks, if I want to go back to what I'm doing before, I can always do that. Yeah, exactly. Um, that sounds really amazing. So I just have to have like, yeah, I just have to have, um, well, the cool thing about the carnivore diet video, um, there was that point when you wanted to quit and you were like, no, like, I'm not going to do that. Like, I don't quit. And like, that's exactly the attitude that I have to have right now. That's exactly right. It's actually really funny. One of the the first comments was someone saying, I really appreciate the time you did the, the time you took to do this and all the effort, but I just want to let you know, I, I'm not happy that you kept going even when you, when you didn't want to. I'm a person who very much believes in listening to your body, and I don't think that was the right thing to do. And I appreciate and respect that opinion very much, but I think it's flawed in, in many ways in that if you're going to just listen to your body all the time, but you haven't taught your body how to interpret what it's saying, then you're setting yourself up for major, major issues. It, you can't listen to your body if your body isn't t- sending you the right signals. Now, mm-hmm. clearly, in that scenario for the carnivore challenge, my body was not happy with what was going on, and I knew it, but I stuck to it, number one, because 
I knew I was going to be safe. I was consulting with different doctors and nutritionists and physicians, and they're like, you're going to be okay. Just make sure you're taking the right supplements, but all sort of stuff. But in terms of, it's sort of like with disordered eating or binging. And, and this is one of the issues I have with the intuitive eating crowd and not the, how it was intended to be, but how the extremists uh, portray mm -hmm. it. I have issues when people will say, well, just eat intuitively. I'm like, okay, well, you take someone who is seriously overweight, struggles with binge eating, and you tell them to just eat intuitively, they'll intuitively go eat Papa John's. It's like, mm -hmm. well, it's like they haven't learned how to do that yet. So you can't always go by how your body feels. One of the, the best things I learned in in weightlifting and competitive weightlifting and as an elite athlete was sometimes your body is lying to you. And it's one of those things that is not popular nowadays to hear or say, but so have you ever gone to the gym when you were tired, didn't feel good, maybe didn't get enough sleep and just have an amazing workout? Have I ever gone to the gym where I was tired and not, not, not really, but I still did it. But you still did it. So, so yeah. one thing that I've noticed, number one, you, I'm assuming you probably felt better after you did it. Oh, heck yeah. Oh yeah. I don't know if that, yeah. If that we were saying, do I feel better afterwards? I always feel better, even if I don't want to do it. A hundred percent. Also yeah. sometimes in, in heavy weightlifting, uh, it's something that I've, I've found consistently is not every time, but sometimes you'll wake up, you'll feel awful. You'll go to the gym and you'll hit a personal record. And other times you'll go to the gym feeling amazing, like feeling strong, super good. And you'll have a terrible workout. Mm -hmm. And if you just only quote unquote, listen to your body, then maybe you wouldn't have gone on the day that you felt eh and and you would have missed out on the opportunity to really display a tremendous amount of strength. So I, I don't like the idea of only listening to your body because it assumes that you are fluent in what your body is telling you. And, yeah. and it it's a flawed way of thinking because I don't think we're, we're fluent in that. And I, I think we can get better at listening. But I really think what the best thing that we can do is get better at taking action taking the actions that we need to do in order to get better, recognizing what action that is. For one person, the action might be, hey, if, if you're exercising 12 times a week, your action might be staying in bed, right? Don't go to the mm -hmm. gym if you're training 12 times a week. You, your action might be, hey, I need to get better at, even though my body's telling me to go work out, I'm trying to listen to my body, I need to stay in bed because I know that's the right action. For someone else, mm -hmm. that action might be going to get, to get to get to the gym to work out to exercise even though their body is saying just stay in bed just lie here it's okay uh, th does that make sense yeah I'm actually really glad you brought that up actually because like um, it doesn't make sense you know like the thing is too is like when we do hard things we we know where we push our boundaries and we know where our resistance is and that lets us know more about how our bodies interact with hard things and um, you may not want to do it, but like, there are so many lessons that get learned through that. Um, but if you didn't, if you listen to your body and you're like, I'm just going to stay in bed or I'm just going to like eat this pizza, you would never understand what like a big ass salad would do for you instead, you know? Um, so there's like a little bit of logic that like has to come into that. And I think that's not talked about enough. And I really appreciate that. There's so much I want to learn about the anti-diet movement and how it can like play into this. And, um, yeah, I just, yeah, I appreciate that. Of course. So, so I think we have a good initial plan in terms of two weeks, three yeah. plates, two snacks. I agree. A hundred percent consistent. Yep. How do you feel about that? I feel good about that. Of course I will feel scared as shit tomorrow, but <laughs> 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 like, I'll just, um, 
I'll, I'll come back to like everything we talked about. And like, I'm very strong. Like I don't like, I don't, I never say no when I don't want to work out. Like I'm a strong person. I've had two kids, like I've moved across the world twice, you know, I got this. Um, so I just have, (laughs) I just have to throw that into there, you know? And, um, the thing is I had two questions for you because I'm overthinking some things. Um, do I like weighing myself? I have been having this love hate relationship with it. And I don't know if I should, should do it. I, I do it like once a week now because like I, I saw that like it would really affect me even if I like talked myself into like out of it. Like I, I used all the arguments that I've heard you speak of. Um, and then the second one is like, well, like what if in the morning I don't want to put like a fourth of a plate of veggies and I want to have like oatmeal, you know? <laughs> yep. So great okay. questions. And, and I would say it's not overthinking. These are just great questions. Uh, okay. They're very logical, very well thought out questions. I would say for right now, do not weigh yourself. Okay. I, I don't even want you stepping on the scale. And, and this comes back to, because I think some people might be like, well, hold on. You tell people you should develop a better relationship with the scale, which I do believe. Um, I think the ideal circumstance is to be able to step on the scale without having any emotions tied to it whatsoever. But that's like, I think the ideal circumstance would be having everybody to have enough mobility to be able to get into a great conventional deadlift without any mobility issues or any stability issues and be able to deadlift without pain, right? That would be the ideal circumstance, but that's not just because that's ideal. doesn't mean you take someone who just walks into the gym and put them into a conventional deadlift. It's just mm-hmm. stupid. It's a progression. Yeah. I think right, right now you're about to do something that we both know you can do 100% and we also both know it will be a difficult two weeks. Realistically, I think the first 72 hours will be the most difficult. And as long as you stick to it 100% for the first 72 hours, there is zero doubt in my mind that you will get through the first two weeks and this will become a new norm for you and it will become something very enjoyable and it will be and food will become something that you can enjoy without fear or anxiety or binging. I very much believe that it, it starts with the first 72 hours. Knowing that makes sense, yeah. Knowing that this is going to be a difficult 72 hours and this is already going to be a little bit of a a stressful transition, why in the hell would I also recommend trying to improve your relationship with something else entirely? It's it's, let's do one thing at a time, people. That's it. Let's just (laughs) let's just do this. After if we decide that it's a good idea for you to start stepping on the scale based on whatever your goals are at that point in time. Cool. We can do that. But no, I'm not going to say like, let's step on the scale and also let's maybe work on your marathon time and let's work on doing a backflip and also, no, let's one thing. Let's just do this three plates, two snacks for two weeks. Okay, cool. Sounds good. I can do that. And and what was the second one? Uh, like, like, you know how the plate is veggies and then protein and like veggie or carbs, one fourth, one fourth. Um, what if I wanted to have oatmeal? Like, I don't want to throw veggies in that. That would be gross. (laughs) (laughs) I've, I've done that. I've put broccoli, cauliflower in my oats and while it's not awful, it's very, very like, it's not enjoyable. Yeah. No, no, Don't, don't ever do that again. Never, ever, ever. It's like sacrilegious. Yeah. Don't ever put broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> um, what I would say is 
if you would like to have veggies and maybe in an omelet or whatever, cool. If your first meal doesn't include veggies, it's totally fine. Okay. That's it's that's one of the things in which it's like, well, I don't want to have veggies, and then they think they screwed up because they didn't have veggies with breakfast. It's like, listen, it's not a big deal. It the yeah, most okay. important thing is the most in the same way, the most important thing for fat loss is a calorie deficit simply because without it, you won't be losing fat. But that doesn't mean there, are, there aren't other important factors, including protein intake, including sleep, including strength training. Of course, all these things are important, but calorie deficit is the most important because without it, you won't be losing fat. The most mm-hmm. important thing with the three plates, two snacks is the one plate per meal. Okay. That is the most important factor that I want you to pay attention to. So if you have oatmeal in a bowl and then you like put that on the plate and then you also have I don't know Greek yogurt and maybe some berries like that's mm-hmm. your breakfast and it all fits on one plate that's amazing cool there's zero vegetables in there but quite frankly I don't care because it all fits on one plate um cool. so that that's my answer to that okay what size plate are we talking about <laughs> <laughs> that is an overthinking question <laughs> I knew it I knew it what, it just came out. Did, okay. Did, have you measured the diameter of your plate? No, but I have Thank these God. huge, huge ass plates that I just what bought. Is huge and they're all, oh, they're like they're Polish pottery. We got them from Poland, and they're like the size of um, a huge Belgian cheese wheel. I don't know. I'm not. <laughs> they're, they're scary to me because I look that and I'm like, dang, that's a Thanksgiving meal right there. So I have, I have a, like a medium size. We'll just go for the medium. That, that probably I think that's a good better. idea. I, I would okay. say if if the size of your plate is a Belgian cheese wheel, it's too big. <laughs> and if the size of your plate is a nickel, it's too small. Uh, okay. it's, we should do our best to keep moderation in mind here. We should do just, the Goldilocks method, like just right. Y- exactly. Yep. Not too okay. big, not too small, just right. Okay, cool. All right. Does good. that make sense? Yeah, yeah. This has been a great conversation. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Do you have any other questions? I'll stay on for eight hours. I don't care. We can whatever you <laughs> want to jam on. Do you have anything else you want to discuss? Um, no. I mean, I think this is like the biggest thing because I think so. Like, I do need to eat a, a couple of fear foods. Like, like you know, like I said, like social media has created all of these fears around food. Like I did the vegan thing. And so then I thought like, oh my God, if I eat cheese, I'm going to get cancer. And like all of these things happened. Um, so slowly I've been like tearing that down by like being in the inner circle and like reading everything that you say and, or like, and I've been reading, like, I've been following people who are moderate and who are like scientific. Um, so I'm, I'm beating those things, but like, I am having to also like challenge these foods occasionally. And so I'm trying to do that very mindfully. Um, I just started doing that. Like, like I said, I bet bagels or something I binge on all the time. Like I slather that butter on there and I eat them all. So, um, my goal is to like get a bagel and put it on a plate and actually enjoy it and just eat one plate and, and like move on. And I'm hoping I can do that too in this week, in these two weeks It's like really kind of dive in and do that um, systematically. So so you brought up two great things that I want to discuss. Um, okay. Number one, we'll talk about the bagels first. In the same way that I, I don't want you weighing yourself because it's difficult to do all of these things at once, I mm-hmm. don't know if, if 
trying to have a, a food that historically has been a trigger for you is is the best idea in these two weeks. Okay. I'm not saying it won't work. I mean, it very well could. I would say do for the first 72 hours, don't have a bagel. Okay. Let's yeah, get to the, the first three days. Just all I want is three plates, two snacks, and keeping trigger foods out of sight, out of mind. Okay. E- yeah, either please. way, I'll as long vulnerable. as you as exactly it's the hardest it's the most anxiety producing once you get out of the first three days with a hundred percent consistency you're going to be so much more comfortable so much more confident so proud of yourself uh, and i think that will be a great time if you decide to say you know what with my breakfast i'm gonna have a bagel and then I'm also going to have maybe some Greek yogurt or cottage cheese or I'm going to have whatever else, like maybe some eggs. Who knows? And all fit on one plate. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's totally fine. Cool. It, that's okay. totally fine. Uh, and I, I have I have a feeling that I'm going to get a message from you on day four, day five, and you're going to be like, oh, my God, I just had a bagel for breakfast. And it was only one and it was great. And I'm going on with the rest of my day. And I'm going to be so happy because I, I very much see that happening because by, by that time you'll have – you'll it's the always that first step is the hardest right it's not mm-hmm. only is the first step the hardest but it's also like the most um enormous progress jump that we make the first mm-hmm. three days is the hardest and those first three days will be very transformative for you mentally and emotionally and i think that okay. between day four to day seven you're probably going to have a bagel with breakfast and eggs and cottage cheese or whatever and you're going to be full and satisfied and very proud of yourself that you that you stuck with it um so that's what i'd say about that the okay. the thing I want to say about social media is I want you to be acutely aware of how you're feeling when you're consuming people's content. And if someone's content makes you anxious and or if someone's content starts makes you to start think, hey, maybe I should try that instead of this, either unfollow them or mute them or have a very deliberate con- conversation with yourself saying, what are you going to do as a result of feeling this way watching that person's content? Because mm-hmm. the 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 n- number one reason I see that people often don't make progress is, is program hopping. They go from one thing to the next, right? They try one thing, they try one thing, they try one thing. And with so much information available so quickly, it's very easy to be uh, dragged from program to program, from method to method. Um, now, we, yeah, we I, both know I you're going to do this. So... <laughs> so <laughs> No, we already know for the next two weeks, 100%, three plates, two snacks, no question about mm-hmm. it. But yeah. be aware of, of how you're feeling as you're consuming someone else's content. And if and if it makes you feel bad or anxious or worried or whatever, ask yourself why. And then ask yourself, will your life be worse if you unfollow that person? And ask yourself, will your life be better if you continue to follow that person? And the answers to those questions will then guide your next steps. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And I mean, often too, it's like that fear of missing out where like, you're like, well, what if I miss something that they say, but it's like, I've, I've taken a break and then I go back to it and they say, they're saying the same thing over and over. So it's like, I really didn't miss anything, you know? That's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly um, right. Yeah. That's really, I think that's going to be one of the most important things actually to stay consistent. Yeah. And the reason I think that you're right on that is what you outlined from the very beginning is, well, whatever you saw, you did. If you mm-hmm. saw 
anti-diet, you did that. If you saw intuitive eating, you did that. If you saw vegan, you did that, right? It's like clearly you've been very pulled by various um, methods, which is totally fine. I think it's good to try them because now you definitely know which ones work and which ones don't, which, one res which ones resonate, which ones don't resonate. But you have to be aware of, of your personality and, and what you do and just being aware of, okay, well, I know that I'm very, uh, I get pulled in many different directions. The most important thing for you to do right now is I'm only going to follow this period, end of story, regardless of whether you follow them or not. Just, mm -hmm. this is my plan. I must follow this. And no matter what other programs you see coming up, no matter what people posting, no matter, it doesn't matter. This is your program for right now. Yeah, totally. Like it's a bright line, you know? That's so it. hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. I love that. I'm really excited to wake up. I hope I can sleep tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I am very, very excited. I cannot wait to hear how this goes. Please, please keep me updated. I would love to hop on another call with you if you'd like at some point just to catch up and see how you're doing. If you have any questions, there's, there's no limit to this. I would be more than happy to talk to you again, but I, I'm very, very excited and I hope you know I'm always here to help. Yeah, I just really appreciate that. That's really amazing. And like the inner circle, like I can, I can ask questions there and I just, um, yeah, I just feel really grateful. So thank you. And I hope, you know, everything goes well with the quarantine and it's almost over and we can see the, <laughs> see people again. <laughs> Agreed. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful night. Okay. You too. Thank you again. Of course. Bye-bye. Bye. That wraps it up for this episode of the Jordan Syatt Mini Podcast. Liv, thank you so much for coming on, and thank you to everyone else for listening. If you want to join the Inner Circle, you can do that at www.sfinnercircle.com. Talk to you soon.